Hi, dear listener. Zach here. I'm proud of the work we did on Call of Discovery and Keyforge Public Radio, and last year I took my love of podcasts full-time with my company, Rooster High Productions. If you know someone with a business who wants to broadcast their expertise through podcasts and derived social media marketing, send them my way to Zach at RoosterHigh.com. Thank you so much. Welcome to Call of Discovery, the podcast where we invite you on a journey into the Crucible for a weekly or fortnightly celebration of all things Keyforge, its community, and the excitement of Discovery. I am your co-host, Zach Armstrong, and oh no, there's no Ed today. Yes, that's right, folks. He's finally getting serious about being competitive. He is currently uh, over in London bench-pressing large pallets of Call of the Archons, uh, just to get better at Keyforge, nobody has told him that bench presses won't actually make you better at the game. But we're gonna we're gonna just let him try that for a while. So, anyways, we have a very exciting uh, guest today. He has quite the Cinderella story. His name is Asher Knopp, and also a personal friend of mine. Welcome to the podcast, Asher. Thank you, Zach. It's a uh, I've been a long time uh, listener, first time caller, so I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, yeah, me too. Uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, Asher is an old friend of mine. Um, and uh, after Asher had some uh, Keyforge life experiences that we'll mention here in a moment, I thought he might be a great guest for the podcast. Um, I honestly resisted putting that out there a little bit, Asher, because you're a personal friend. Then I mentioned it to a few people and they're like, no, that's a great, that's an amazing topic. You you need to do that. <laughs> so uh, I'm glad we've got you on here today. Um, but before we dive into your Cinderella story, uh, which we can we can talk about a little bit later, it's a very fun and exciting one, much more exciting than my Keyforge my Keyforge story uh, competitively. Uh, we're going to get to know you a little bit better. I obviously know you quite well. We actually lived just a, a door or two down from each other for a few years and got to play a lot of board games together. Um, so I feel like I'll know the answer to this first question, Asher. But uh, how did how did you start playing Keyforge? So I started Keyforge, uh, large part due to Zach. Uh, I saw a tweet one day about this new and upcoming game by the creator of uh, Magic mm-hmm. from Zach, and I looked into it. And ba- basically, I've been looking into getting into a trading uh, card game of the same style as Magic or Netrunner, and Keyforge looked like it would scratch that itch for me. Uh, I didn't want to get into magic at the time because it was a, I was getting into it pretty late uh, of the scene. I felt like, and Mm. just to even get into like a casual setting, I would have to spend a lot of money just to uh, play casually. It felt like. Yeah, sure. Um, Sure. But yeah, I saw the tweet from Zach and looked into it and I was really excited. So I was uh, waiting for the release. Yeah, I, I remember there was a day uh, you and your brother came over and uh, I think one of us, it might have been me, had actually printed out some of the print and play decks 
uh, not official print and play decks, but I think a set of like six decks somebody had scanned and put online. Right. Um, and we started playing a handful of games with those with those first four decks. Yeah, and that was a lot of fun. I believe one was like Gas Master or something like that. Oh, uh, I think so. It's probably that's a part of the Keyforge lore. Somebody should probably write down what yeah, those one first, of the first decks was. One of the first uh, pre-release decks. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I believe you've already mentioned uh, part of yours uh, or, or part of your story. But one day I come up to uh, I walk up to Zach's house and I see in front of him two actual Keyforge decks that were uh, uh, pre-released. Thanks yeah, to, this was a few a few months before release. Yeah, a few months before release. Uh, but thanks in large part due to your fiance. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> who is great by the way no uh, but yeah that and just getting the, uh to be able to play with the print and play and the actual uh physical copy of the decks was a lot of fun to get into and uh, i had no idea what i was doing but it was fun <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that's how a lot of people felt uh, if they were in, uh, well, in the early days of whatever their Keyforge journey is, um, uh, it's you often have no idea what you're doing because it's a bit of a different paradigm for a card game, uh, but it is a lot of fun. Yeah, those those two decks, it was the Bishop of Giant Way Kingdom and then the Concrete Mother Chef of Free Keep. We played those two decks against each other a lot. Right. A lot, yeah. That was pretty great. Um, and I know, uh, I know Asher from, uh, my board game tracking app that has, um, uh, I believe, uh, my now wife, Megan is still nowhere near catching up to you in like number of recorded plays in my board game tracking app. Really? Um, oh yes. Yes. So uh, what's, uh, what has drawn you to kind of board and card games in general? Um, and why, and how do you like to, to play them? Are there certain approaches kind of in an overall sense that you have to board, board and card games when you dive in? Uh, so, so growing up, we would every now and then have a family game night. Uh, it wasn't the games that you, pr- it's probably more of the games that you think of when you first uh, think of board games, such as yeah. uh, Monopoly, Risk, Aggravation, uh, some card games like uh, Spades or Rook or uh, mm-hmm. Rummy. Uh, Scrabble was a big one, but it was a, that was my first foray into board games. At that point, it wasn't a deep dive in the board games. It was more of just like, oh, we have a board game. We have time. Let's play it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then through college, I think my junior year, I met Zach, probably, because that was a 2012, <laughs> I believe. That sounds about right, yeah. Uh, and realized that Zach played board games and I was interested in some of the ones I've heard about that he had, such as Dead of Winter was a big one. Mm, uh, yeah. And so I uh, started playing with Zach and realized how much I actually enjoyed playing board games that were more than just rolling dice. Right. <laughs> Which I still enjoy the other ones, but oh, having yeah, a little totally. bit of strategy definitely helps scratch an itch that I didn't realize I had. Oh, yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, I can't count because uh, I know you and your brother are among them, but I can't count the number of copies of Pandemic that have been sold because people played my copy with me first. Right. <laughs> <laughs> which, is, which is more a, a testament to the game and just the fact that I am aggressively social rather than my salesman skills. But so what a 
what what have you enjoyed the most about your experience like what experience with keyforge like maybe uh, more specifically like what what keeps you coming back to keyforge why do you stick with it i think keyforge for me is the reason why i keep coming back to it it's just because of the zaniness of it mm. all the pl- random plays that you can make uh personal favorites are wild uh, wormholing into a key hammer which just gives your opponent basically a free key right or wild room holding into a key charge to win the game like, sure uh i think just having those potential chances of uh the uh heart of the cards is a big is a term for it but just believing in that uh is what keeps me coming back to key uh keyforge yeah, I'd, I'd I'd have to agree that that's a big reason for me too because of the without constructed decks there are so many different cards you can make that you could not make in a constructed in a constructed game like like key charge and hunting witch and and wild wormhole all like a wild wormhole is I think only fun because your deck isn't constructed so you're going going to have probably some unoptimal cards in your deck for a wild wormhole to hit like it is probably going to be a risk every time more so in sealed when you haven't experienced uh, you know everything the deck can do Um, and asher i know you are uh, an avid watcher even more so than me and i I try to tune in when i can although my my wife megan is a regular uh you tune in on a regular basis to tabletop royale correct Mm -hmm. i watch it for the eddie but also the people (laughs) are uh, great in there too (laughs) Shout out to Nathan and Justin. <laughs> yes, shout out to Nathan and Justin, all all who have been guests here before. Uh, and for the uninitiated, who who is Eddie? Is uh, does Eddie play Keyforge on Tabletop Royale? Eddie does not, but he he is shown regularly on the uh, on the stream. He is Justin's dog, uh, and he is adorable. And mm-hmm. also, you can interact and give him treats. <laughs> <laughs> yes, for for any dog lovers out there, definitely. Uh, get yourself watching some Tabletop Royale on uh, Sunday, Monday, and Wednesday nights in the evening Eastern Standard Time, uh, and earn earn some channel points so you can feed so you can feed Eddie the dog treats. And they and they recently reduced the channel points uh, to feed Eddie or the give oh. Eddie treats, so it's uh, you can do it a little bit more regularly now. What? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I don't Megan's think Megan's going to be so happy. <laughs> yes, my wife Megan will be so happy to to hear that. Um uh it is it is true listeners that my my wife watches Tabletop Royale on the regular um because she enjoys the hosts. Uh she would not watch if she did not enjoy Nathan and Justin and just how gracious and and lovely they are. Uh but it, she does watch it primarily to uh get points to be able to feed to feed Eddie the dog. So she is going to be very excited to hear that that went down. I had not caught that news. I had yeah. not caught that I think news that, that was over this weekend. So mm. That is awesome. Yeah. That is awesome. Um, I do have a question here that I'm not going to ask you because I'm afraid of the answer. Um, it's, it oh, just boy. says I wrote Leo the cat or Eddie the dog. Um, and Leo Leo is, is, is my cat, but I feel like I shouldn't ask that answer yet because Leo just has not earned as much, earned oh. as much street cred in the Keyforge community. <laughs> I am more of a dog person. Oh so no! <laughs> I would have to default to Eddie. Sure. <laughs> um, I ha- I've only seen pictures of Leo, um, and in those he is adorable. But uh, I would have to default with Eddie just because I'm a dog person. 
Of but course. I'm sure is... Leo is a great cat. Leo Leo is, and I just haven't taken the time to build his brand among the Keyforge community. Eddie, you're, Eddie you're is... trying. Yeah, Eddie is really Eddie really is the uh the leader there as far as like uh pets among the Keyforge community. Although Lady Caffeine's uh Lady Caffeine's dog is uh, rising in the ranks pretty, pretty Yes quickly. it is. So Asher, the reason uh we brought you on today, besides just uh me indulging and in getting to catch up <laughs> with you uh over something other than video games or Keyforge, <laughs> um, is you've got uh, you've got quite a story as far as your journey with competitive Keyforge. Uh, you you traveled down here to Vault Tour Atlanta, and um, I believe that uh, Vault Tour Atlanta was your first competitive card game event ever. Is that right? My first big one. I've your done first a, big one. I did two local ones beforehand, but it was just okay. like 10 to 12 people at those. Gotcha. But Atlanta Vault Tour was my first big official event that I ever went to. So what what was that like? What was going through what was going through your head as like we we went up to that hotel in that giant lobby in the middle, like on the twenty third floor of a hotel in the middle of Atlanta? You had driven, I think, for like you know ten hours to get there. What was going through your head as we shuffled into that very crowded building? I was kind of tired because it was a little early and I of the drive beforehand, mm-hmm. uh, but it was I wasn't as embarrassed as I thought it would be because a lot of people there were coming for the game. And also a lot of people were dressing up as, uh, characters from, uh, for a con nearby. So I felt like I fit right in. Oh yeah. Lots of cosplay. I believe we, we spotted some critical role cosplay, uh, on that trip too. (laughs) And a lot of, uh, stormtroopers as well. Yes. Yes. So many. Yeah. So vault tour Atlanta was, uh, that was, uh, sealed, sealed solo in Call of the Archons, I believe. And we we all got three decks, picked one for the day. Uh, the eventual winner of that uh, of that vault tour was Cav, who, uh, as we know from uh, his now teammate Logan, who came on uh, a while back on Call of Discovery, uh, Cav won the thing and then got dinner afterwards with uh, Logan and uh, Alex. Uh, uh, Alex. Oh no, I don't. Uh, Alex got dinner with Logan and Alex, who goes by Lord of Winter, and they formed the uh, Archons of Atlanta. After that, and uh, I had the pleasure of meeting Cav there. Um, and uh, I, uh, we can just summarize all of my competitive Keyforge experiences. They have all been six rounds in Swiss, t- uh, then to the top cut. I have gone three and three, literally every time. Not made the top cut at uh, any events past a uh a store championship i've done better at store championship but anything bigger than that i've only ever gone three and three that's my story i've been christened mr consistency that's that's literally that's literally it um now asher you you started vault tour atlanta this was your start it started one way um and then uh and then it changed after that yeah i was expecting it was my very first event so i was expecting to at least uh go one and five or two and four maybe mm, um, sure because i was just like i'm not gonna do that great but i'm just gonna i'm here i'm here to have fun is what i was expecting yeah. uh, and i went and lost all six games <laughs> in a row <laughs> in a row yeah. so the i think the first question that pops into people's minds because um you know, I think most normal people who are listening to this, uh, there's even even the very good players I know aren't going to be like, oh, ha, ha, you're so bad. 
they're going to be like, oh man, like I feel that, right? Like we've all like had an event or something that has gone that way. So the first question I think that pops into people's heads is like, uh, what was going through your mind as you decided to keep playing? Um, so a lot of people in the, not a lot, but some of the people there uh, quit when they were 0 and 3 or something because other events were starting up and they were, sure. they wanted to go to those events and uh, at least do something a little bit better than Owen, whatever. Sure, uh, sure. But I was there just to have fun. Uh, and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to play it out, see how this goes. Uh, I'm going to learn something from it if I don't win. Uh, and each time we... Uh, so when they uh, pair you up, uh, since it's Swiss, they put the best people or the uh, top players at one end. And then when the f- you're down on the other end, if, you, uh, if you're like O and X, mm-hmm. so I would always be on the one end and see the same people every time. <laughs> and so like we we had a good camaraderie going where we get down there we're like hey we made it like we're here and we're like oh and four or oh and five at that point <laughs> but we're we're just having so much fun down there we didn't care if we were uh gonna win or because we were just there at that point just like let's let's play this out and uh, have fun uh, and i think i was the only one uh there to go oh and six Nice. Which was uh, very interesting. Any but, anybody else who was winless uh, quit before that, so you're the only one to to play it all the way out. Right. Yeah. But it was. I have to say, it was still quite a fun experience to uh, do. And I wouldn't. Uh, if I went back and did it, the only thing I probably would have changed was my deck. Yeah. That I chose, but other than that, I think that that was about it. Sure. Yeah, I, I do remember checking in with you after each round as I was having perhaps a bit more drama than you because I kept like getting a win, then I would lose, then I would get a win, then I would Bouncing lose. Bouncing back and forth. Bouncing <laughs> back and forth. Um, and after every round, you uh, you really were living out, you were like there for fun, there to have the experience. Um, and I just love I just love that you, you stuck all the way through it. Um, uh, and uh, dear, dear listener, don't worry, this is not a pity train because... Um, in a few minutes, we'll go over at the rest of Asher's competitive record, which is starkly different. Um, and uh, so you talked about maybe picking a different deck. Um, and I know you've done, uh, we both have done a bunch of Seal, especially the events we've gone to together. Uh, what what was the process of looking at those three decks and picking one like, especially earlier in Keyforge's career? And what would you have done differently about uh, kind of evaluating those decks and picking one to go with? So this was my first uh, sealed three decks that you chose one of those decks. Uh, and I remember talking with you, Zach, beforehand. We are just like, well, we have, uh, what, 15 minutes to analyze the decks and choose one mm-hmm. beforehand. And I was just going through that you don't have time to play them or anything. So you're just, you just go based off the card list. And I was like, I went through... Uh, and calculated like the ember pips on the decks, the creatures and everything that uh, would be in uh, in play. And mathematically, I chose the best deck that I could have. I chose sure. the one with the most number of pips. The uh, probably the I think it was the not the highest speed, but going back later and checking the SAS, it was the highest SAS as well. Mm, uh, sure, but it it was. Definitely not my play style. 
Mm. I, I would have to say the number one thing about choosing a deck uh, is play style. What cards do you know and can play versus uh, how well it uh, fits your other criteria? Yeah, yeah. And what was uh, what what did you with the deck you picked? How did you go against the grain? Like, what was the playstyle of the deck you picked, and and was there a deck that was closer to your playstyle that you had opened up? Yeah, so I chose uh, Copper Jupiter Sanctum Rogue. It's a Disc Logos and Sanctum deck. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it had uh, Strange Gizmo in there, which I have never played with before. Oh, that's such a weird card to get right. It's such right. as that's I've I've played many many games with Strange Gizmo decks, and I still burn myself sometimes with it. It also had Annihilation Ritual, which I've never played before. Yeah. Uh, and then it had like it had a couple of what feels like anti anti synergy. The if you uh. If you want to play it well, you have to mm-hmm. actually understand how it works. But it has uh, yeah. the uh, Sacrificial Altar, which allows you to... It's the this artifact that allows you to purge a friendly human creature from play if you do play a creature from your discard pile. Yeah. Which does not work at all with the Annihilation Ritual. So you have to know what cards to play, which ones to uh, bounce, uh, the discard. Uh, it, has, it also had... Uh, capture with the sanctum which and guilty heart so like i had no idea Ooh. how to play it right <laughs> uh, <laughs> but the other two decks that i had opened definitely fit my play style a little bit more uh one also had a double strange gizmo deck which same thing there but the rest of the deck fit more it had untamed which i have to say is my one of my favorite houses sure uh, in all four sets uh, that we, that I've seen so far. Yeah. Uh, it had a little bit more of the disc control with like three fates, uh, ember imps, uh, like double library of Babel. It had a little bit more cards that I've played, but it, uh, number wise, it wasn't as great as uh, copper Jupiter and going back. I think I would have chosen that deck. Mainly because of the Untamed. And then the other one was a Mars Sanctum Shadows deck. Which would have also... I think I... with If I chose... Actually, if I chose either one of those two decks, I think I probably would have at least won one game. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Sure. Just because um, they fit my play style more than the other. Yeah. And I think that's such great advice. I know when we... Uh, kind of picked apart and just uh, lo- looked at our experience there, and we had had a blast, and it was great seeing you because we, uh, you know, we used to live in the same in the same state. Now we're a couple states away. Um, but uh, as we looked back on it strategically, I know that I had picked a deck with uh, uh, double miasma, uh, double miasma interdimensional graft, and uh, doorstep to heaven with uh, a couple other tricks, which I figured, oh well, you know, I've got all of this awesome burst hate. Uh, like how great will this be today? Um, but I wasn't used to, I was still very much a baby player at that point, And I was not used to the timing of uh, how to time a miasma. Well, do I hold a miasma to wait for my interdimensional graft? Um, I wasn't great at that timing because that deck really needs those cards in a specific order at the right points in the game. And you need to know when to hold them. And that deck didn't have, you know, arc, much archive or a whole lot of draw. So 
looking back, I think it was Faithful Griffin Vitalis was the other deck I got that had less amber control, but uh, it had regular capture on Sanctum creatures, like enough to survive, and a big old board, like big Brig Brabnar, big Sanctum quality creatures, not nearly as flashy, but I played a couple games with it after the fact with uh, some of the guys from the Keychains podcast and uh, now now defunct and, uh, you know, beat them in some casual games with this deck that I knew. I knew the deck right off the bat because it was just much it was much simpler to play. Right. Much simpler to play. I do have to say after uh, I, at first I thought it, it could be the deck that uh, was bad, which it's definitely not my playstyle, but I yeah. believe Zach and I, the day, the next day, we did an adaptive with the with our two decks that we chose. Uh, and that's right. Uh, Zach just crushed me with the deck I chose. <laughs> <laughs> so, I actually don't, I don't remember that. Uh, yeah. Oh, I, I remember those games. I don't remember crushing you. Well, um, you at least beat me. You beat me pretty handily, at least. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, I do know that was uh, also a time when we broke back out one of the first decks I ever got, Bishop of Giant Way Kingdom, that I got before release uh, on a, a special situation. And um, that's where we played that deck in some adaptive matches where that was where we learned that we hadn't been good enough to as players to appreciate how good Bishop of Giant Way Kingdom is. Um we we realized we thought, oh, Bishop of Giant Way Kingdom is fine, maybe average or just above average. Then we started playing it more and we're like wait we just weren't good at keyforge it wasn't the deck limiting us it was us limiting us <laughs> right um, which is an amazing thing to discover uh in a, in a game like this uh so that was that was uh our and your experience at, at vault tour atlanta a a a joyful owen six really just capturing the heart of having fun with the community you know spending time with friends making friends you know got to meet several people uh, i got to play logan of the archons of atlanta who uh would later become a founding member of the archons of atlanta and i would go on to be on call of discovery and then i would have him on as a guest so uh mm-hmm. a lovely event um, i believe we uh met up with key- the key chargers at that point as well uh, and, the Keychains uh, podcast. Uh, Keychains so, podcast. That's them. Yes. Uh, yeah, we we had sad, dinner with them afterwards. Sadly, they aren't uh, producing any more episodes at the moment. But mm-hmm. yeah, they're they're they still around. Fun. I I message those guys every once in a while and say, "Hey, just how are you doing?" I don't bug them about the podcast, but I just check in on them because they were they were great. They were great. Right. Um, so uh, we. I want to move to the kind of second part of our discussion here because uh, it would be a little criminal to leave our listeners, uh, leave our listeners with just a 15 minute discussion of how you went. Oh, and six at the vault tour, Asher. Um, so I'm just going to kind of shoot off the rest of your resume that you put together, that you uh, put together after that. Uh, since then, since then you attended the United States grand championships, uh, sealed triad age of Ascension in, uh, in Arlington, Virginia, where, uh, you went top eight. So top eight us there, you went to the Richmond vault tour, uh, which was sealed solo age of Ascension, where you made top eight, uh, there. And that was the vault tour eventually won by Nathan Starwalt of tabletop Royale, uh, with, uh, uh, Alex, Lord of Winter, uh, coming in second place there. So he made top eight in that one. Uh, and then the one we're going to talk about today 
as the kind of crown on your your Cinderella crown um, after the crystal, your crystal shoe, as it were, is there was a sealed solo uh, prime at Labyrinth Puzzles and Games in Virginia here in the United States. It was sealed solo worlds collide and you you swept it. Uh, it was get three decks, pick one, and you swept it undefeated. And I have uh, this will be up on our social media just for some fun. I have a very excited text from you, text chain from you, as you kept going two and zero, three and zero, four and zero, five and zero. Made it to the top cut, made it to you know the semis, made it to the finals. And I have an all caps text message from you that just says we're going to worlds uh, after that one. I think you might be able to. Uh, I think I live tweeted that as well. So if you want to, you can uh, go through my Twitter and try to find it. Oh yes, uh, I will. I will dig that up. Uh, I will dig that up and link that in the show notes, so you all can jump back and check out uh, check out Asher's Asher's run, uh, Asher's run on Twitter. There, that would be fun to to go back to go back and read back when we had in person events and we could we could live tweet them. <laughs> um, so Asher, yeah. So tell tell us about this event. Uh, that was uh, a great event. I think it was uh in february when it happened and i think we were near the end of world's clyde i believe mm-hmm. uh, and we we're trying my brother and i uh we've been to a few local ones but we we've been trying to get into a uh, prime event uh and so there was one in dc that was a two hours drive for us so we went there uh and it was the sealed three choose one, uh, and I think there was a bit of a Bromnar distribution in the all of the decks that people opened. Oh no! <laughs> Everyone was uh, when we were opening. You hear people say, "All three of mine have Bromnar," and for the Worlds Collide <laughs> Bromnar, everyone blames it as the worst house, or right. everyone claims it right. as the worst house. Um. I opened all three of mine, and they all had Bromner. Uh So I was like, "Oh, I'm I'm just gonna have fun here. <laughs> I'm not I'm not uh, attempting to go all the way, but in the end, that's what happened." So the three decks are Amazing Brynhild of the Glacier, which was Bromnar, Saurian, and Shadows. The mm-hmm. second one was E Mercator, the Shop Judge, which was Bromnar, Logos, and Saurians. And the one I ended up choosing was Saltus, the Rioter of Buildings, which the house distribution in that was Bromnar, Saurians, and Untamed. Uh, so I house choices, I didn't have much of a variety. Uh, so it was either Bromnar and Saurians, and then one of the other three houses, which was either Shadow, Logos, or uh, Untamed. I wasn't... Yeah. Uh, and I think this was my... Second, no, it was my third sealed three choose one deck event yeah. that I've been to. So, yeah. I, like, I had a little bit of practice, but I was still, I, I knew to pick something of my playstyle. Uh, and I almost chose one of the other two, which definitely would not have uh, done as well because I played them later and I was not great with them. <laughs> sure, sure. Uh, but uh, I chose Untamed since. As I've said before, that is my uh, favorite house. So it was Salt as the Rider of Buildings. And I solely chose it because I had Untamed. Nice. Uh, <laughs> I, I guess I'll go over the deck later today. Or, sorry, 
I'll go over the deck later this week. Uh, yes, yeah, we will we will be diving into Saltus the Rider of Buildings on your deck discovery episode. Um, but uh, I'm noticing uh, so I'm noticing a, a pattern here with uh, some things you talked about in in you know the Richmond event and then this sealed prime in in Virginia. Um, both times, whether you were sweeping a prime to earn a world's invite uh, or you went 0 and 6 at your first, you know, big competitive card game event, uh, you said you went in with your expectations where I'm just going to have fun. You did not have expectations about your win loss record. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah. And I had, well, I guess I was like, oh, I, I just want to go like 4 2, but sure. winning the primes, that's going to be great as well. But I was going in there with at least a 4 2. Is okay. what sure. it was more my thing, but still, main the main goal was to have fun. Uh, yes, if if the main goal is having fun, then the secondary goal is for two. You're gonna uh, you're gonna be less uh, nor you know most people will be less sad. I know I have to set that sort of expectation for myself being a a chronic three and three year. Right. <laughs> um. Yeah. So the first uh, game I played, I believe it was a mirror matchup. Hmm. It was a. Another Bromnor, Saurians, and Untamed. And they, yeah. uh, that one was a pretty close game, um, but it was great. I think it, it was close for like the first two thirds of the game. Yeah. And then uh, I was able to just uh, get my engine going. And I was able at, the, at that point to actually figure out what the deck truly wanted to do. Uh, mm. And so I went through, I believe it was five games before the uh final cut mm-hmm. uh, and i was still learning new things with it each game uh still able to figure out how it was piloting uh and i think it got a bit of a reputation as the games went on uh, oh really what, yes. what, what sort of a reputation <laughs> did it develop <laughs> that that the deck is a crushing defeat <laughs> basically <laughs> that you do not want to go up against the deck <laughs> i was just like going and having fun i thought that most of the games were pretty close but apparently everyone else was having uh, second thoughts about the deck <laughs> even even if they were mechanically close maybe emotionally the people felt uh, gr- ground into dust <laughs> right <laughs> now uh just just uh to to tease our next episode a little bit for our listeners uh, what were a few of the key cards? Because I know this deck, I've played against it since this event. Uh, what are a few of the key cards and combos in that deck that uh, were the mortar and pestle for people's dreams as you ground them into dust there? So I think the number one combo, or the number one uh, key cards, would have to be, there's two artifacts in there. Mm-hmm. One is Fangtooth Cavern, mm-hmm. an untamed. And the other is Pile of Skulls. Oh. Which... Oh. Each allows you, which means if you're able to use Fangtooth Cavern to kill your opponent's creature each turn, or at the end of each of your turns, you will be able to capture with Pile of Skulls. So That's right. There were many games, or there were many turns in at least one game where the opponent would go up to six, uh, and ha- they would have creatures out, and I did not have to worry about the their Ember because I could play out cards that that weren't necessarily interacting with their ember and then just let Fangtooth pile of skulls at the end capture one completely passively that's awesome right. so that's it allowed awesome. me to 
go through the deck without uh, much issue of uh, getting stuck into one house that could that was the only house that could stop them. Yeah, I think that was the biggest uh, draw to winning these games. That's uh, awesome for uh, for anybody who doesn't have it top of mind. Fangtooth Cavern is the artifact that says at the end of your turn, destroy the least powerful creature. And then Pile of Skulls is the Brobnar artifact that says each time an enemy creature is destroyed during your turn, a friendly creature captures one amber. So that means if if Fangtooth Cavern is killing a uh, is destroying an enemy creature, uh, a friendly creature gets to capture an amber. And uh, you happen to have a Centurion Stenopius and some other nasty, nasty things in there that really uh, that really made that work. All right. I did. One of the things I didn't notice is that it relies kind of heavily on those artifacts against a lot of matchups. Mm-hmm. So um, if you don't get those out, it can kind of slow. It would definitely slow this deck down, but it still has enough in the other cards to uh, allow you to just uh, keep going. It doesn't. There isn't much else to stop the Ember, but besides Pile of Skulls. Sure. But, in a sealed matchup where you can't read your opponent's deck list, that that happened to be a very uh, pungent uh, combination of cards. Right, <laughs> pungent is a good word for it. <laughs> uh, as far as your as far as your poor opponents were concerned. Right. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna dive into um, some of the uh, Patreon questions, which are gonna cover a few, maybe a few more questions about your competitive experience here, and uh, your competitive experience here, and, and maybe the the prime itself. Um, so uh, a little bit of a shorter segment just between us on that one, but we'll uh, we're gonna dive into the Patreon submitted questions. I tossed this on to our Patreon only Discord uh, earlier and got some questions from uh, from two from two of our Patreons in particular. So. Uh, uh, Sky, uh, Sky Jedi, um, asks, uh, I think we, we've answered this. Um, but he asks, what's your trick for getting good at sealed? Yeah. Uh, I think, I think we mentioned it as well, but I think sealed is definitely one of my favorite, um, varieties of tournaments. Yeah. Mainly because you don't have to bring a, uh, mainly because you don't have to, uh, worry about your opponent's deck list as much you don't uh, look at it and you don't have to like oh they had these cards in uh, deck and i think that is one reason why uh, how should i say that it's difficult yeah it's difficult to anticipate all of the cards in a deck uh, if you can't see what's coming so you kind of play around everything mm-hmm. uh, and so that i think I am better at playing around everything than playing around uh, specific things if the other person also knows my deck. Sure, sure. And I can see, and I can see how this deck, Saltists, is uh, is very good if people are trying to play around everything because then they burn their answers that they need against Saltists, and then Saltists just gets to run wild, right, in a sealed environment. Yeah, I think one of the biggest straws the Saltists. So this is a, I don't know if I want to say this because anyone that listens to this will know the key to salt is, but <laughs> it's mainly those two artifacts, the Power of Skulls and Fangtooth Cavern. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if, if you have a way to get rid of artifacts, I think uh, Saltus does not do as great in a uh, 
in a game, but in a sealed environment, it happened to run wild. Sure, sure. Yeah, that's uh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Sky Jedi also asks, uh, where where is Saltus now? Is it, he assumes it's sealed in a vault, exalted on a pedestal, having having carried us uh, carried us to worlds. Well, it is in a uh, just in a deck box that I have at the house uh, because I sometimes play it. Except uh, I've played it probably too many times against my brother, and uh, <laughs> a key phrase that has come up is Saltus make salty. <laughs> <laughs> That makes that that makes sense. It's a it's a yeah. It's a tough one if you don't have answers. So I don't. I tend not to play it against him because uh, he knows it. And uh, I, if you don't have the answers to it, then it's just going to be a probably a miserable time to play against it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the the mortar mortar and pestle that the that the participants at Labyrinth Games and uh, Games and Puzzles. Uh, experienced uh, that first time around and uh so uh, robert downs the third or as i affectionately call him rd3 asks uh now i think this question is coming asher this is a question that people will get when they re- with meet with a regular competitive success which uh as funny as it might feel to you because you i know you consider yourself a pretty normal dude you you have regular competitive success in keyforge uh mm. what's your what's your training regimen um I think Zach actually uh, posted a video about that <laughs> on Twitter. Uh, so it's a quick 45 second uh, video that you could probably uh, watch uh, <laughs> that has my training regiment in it. Awesome. I will, I will uh, that link to that training video, uh, ladies and gentlemen, Arkansas will be, uh, will be in the show notes here. Uh, it was a fun little one to put together. Um, and that was at the, the U S grand champs. I believe you made top cut. I didn't. Um, and so I was free and it was honestly a ton of fun. I was free to spend all of my energy, uh, just cheering you on and a few of our other friends who had made top cut, but especially you. So, uh, we took a, uh, we took a calm the nerves walk out to a local park before check-in. And, uh, I made a little compilation video of you, of you running around as a training. On a more serious note, I think, uh, playing against Zach was a big one for me. Oh really? Really? Yes. Uh, one, because you're you've been in the scene, the card game scene, a lot longer than I have. Mm. You've been in uh, competitive events more than I have, so you can pick up. You can definitely pick up on things a lot quicker than I can. I feel sure, like. Would, sure, uh, I will acknowledge that. Maybe say I've been in it more. I have not been in it better. <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, you, maybe you can understand what's coming up. <laughs> Sure. Maybe, maybe that makes me a, a good coach, uh, a good coach. In the... <laughs> oh. Yeah. Otherwise it's just playing the decks. Uh, I have uh, a variety of decks that I just like to play and uh, they're not all the same archetype. So I can kind of get a feel for a little bit of everything. Sure. Uh, so when sealed does come, I can pick up the deck a little bit easier. I feel like also when. stay hydrated, <laughs> drink lots <laughs> yes. of water before the event. Yes. Hydration, hydration and snacks. Very important. Very you you important. need to keep up that energy uh, through the days. I know mm-hmm. uh, one of the events that we went to, it was a, the seal triad up in DC. The, the first six games took uh, like 12 to 13 hours. Oh, and goodness. that while it was super fun, it was also super exhausting. 
So you need to prepare mentally prepare for uh, that. So you need energy and water. Nice. And uh, that was for the, the Grand Champs, you said, I think? Yes. Yeah, DC. yeah the, the, the triad. Yeah, the sealed triad. Yeah, that was a slog. That was a slog. Uh, <laughs> for general opinions on sealed triad, please see Dave Cordero's episode a couple episodes ago, and that's all, that's all I'll say. <laughs> well, that is all we're going to have time for today. So, Asher, I just want to thank you so much for uh, coming on board and talking about your Cinderella story from... Vault Tour, uh, from Vault Tour Atlanta, all the way through your other events to the sweeping the sealed prime that got you that sweet world's invite. So, thanks so much for coming by and tell us telling us your story. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, of course, it was a unique pleasure for me as we are as we are old KeyForge friends, and you are my main uh, my my primary practice partner for for anything competitive. So, it was a a, ple- a real pleasure being able to uh, being able to to bring you on today. If you're enjoying Call of Discovery and are willing and able to support us monetarily, our Patreon is linked below where you can put your own weird and wonderful decks in the spotlights through little deck discovery episodes where Ed and I will go over your deck and talk about it on one of the very episodes here. And uh, you have a say in the future of the show through the Patreon-only Discord. We'll share updates about the show. Uh, and like you heard today with some of our Patreon questions, we we keep you updated on who's coming on and we, we ask for questions for our guests that will get asked on the show. Let us know what you'd like to see more or less of in future shows. Even if you're not in the Discord, you can do that by emailing us at podcast at callofdiscovery.com. That's podcast at callofdiscovery.com. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, of course. So definitely go follow us on there. Have some conversations with us there. I think we're most active on Twitter, but we've got plenty of good stuff on Instagram and some on Facebook as well. Um, and, uh, importantly, if, if you are enjoying Call of Discovery, please subscribe and leave a review on your podcast app. Tell, uh, tell us what you are loving about the show. And if you dive into it and get really into it and leave a totally wacky over the top review, like Shap Station did a few weeks ago, we will read it out here on the podcast for the enjoyment of all. Uh, but most importantly, if you think a friend would enjoy this podcast, this little Keyforge podcast here in our corner of the internet, please Help them to discover it. Have you answered the call of discovery? reduce the number of points you need to feed eddie yes (laughs) how many is it now how many is it now asher uh it's four thousand just four thousand instead of five thousand oh thank god okay feed the pup feed the pup awesome